Worship is not just singing. Worship is an attitude of the heart. And that's what I think witnessing needs to become for us. It's not it's not a drudgery command that we have to follow. It is a pleasure. Like it, God commands it, yes, but he commands it because he knows like it is a blessing to declare the goodness of God. So we've got to have that same attitude that we do when we're worshiping God on Sunday morning and talking to our friends. Like we've got to be so filled with the wonder and goodness of God that we cannot but help but speak of God's greatness as displayed through his son, Jesus Christ. My guest today recently tweeted, the gospel is not about good people becoming great people. It's about the spiritually dead becoming spiritually alive through Christ Jesus alone. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, Greg Schuchert is our guest. Greg, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. How are you doing? Hey, Byron, doing good. Thanks for having me. Currently, you serve as the Director of Evangelism at Central Church in Collierville. Also co-founder of Anchored North, it's an evangelistic ministry reaching millions with captivating, honest, and shareable videos that explore mankind's greatest need, redemption through Jesus Christ. Also, I don't know how you find time, but you're also working on your Master of Divinity in Evangelism and Missions at the Southern Baptist Seminary. You stay busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I love I love God's Word, so that's a huge factor of it. It keeps me going to study and to create. And, you know, there's that constant cycle of, like, when you spend time in God's Word, all you want to do is spend more time. So that's why I'm doing the MDiv and just trying to study myself approved for now pastoral ministry. It was just recently ordained here at Central Church. And then once you're reading God's Word, you're like, oh, I don't want to just read this for myself. I want others to know it. So like, I got to have a media ministry, got to get the gospel out through video and stories and whatever we can do. So when did you roll into town? Rolled into town at the end of September of last year, 2020. So came right in the middle <laughs> of COVID. Uh, everyone we met was wearing masks, which is always interesting to start a pastoral ministry job when everyone you meet, you're actually making up what they look like from the nose down. <laughs> and so now that masks are off, I'm like, oh, wait, I, I think I met you, Like, but you look different than I imagined you looking. <laughs> What brought you to town? Obviously, you're on staff at Central Church. Where were you? Tell me some of the backstory of your life. Yeah, I got saved in Anaheim, California in 2013, February 21st, 2013. And I just fell in love with God's Word. I mean, I came from a very broken place, was just a a sinner who hated God, wanted nothing to do with Him, got invited to church, got saved. And I fell so in love with God's Word, I just kept wanting to study and study and study. And my church had a program. It's like a three-year spiritual leadership program to train future pastors and elders. And I went through that, devoured it. The church was like, you need to keep going. Like, do you want to go to seminary? I'm like, yeah, actually, I do. So right after I got married, my wife and I spent a year in Southern California just to enjoy friends and family. And then we head off. We went off to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. We thought we were going to plant there for like four years, you know, get the MDiv, get equipped. And what we found was that we moved all the way across the country to study in person so that we could be with the professors and have relationships. And then we got put online because of COVID. And we're like, well... We left our friends, our family, moved all the way across the world, it felt like, from Southern California to Louisville, Kentucky, to do seminary online. <laughs> because <laughs> when we were like looking forward to like this community experience. And so through that process, I actually started having conversations with a former pastor at the church in Anaheim, California, where I got saved. And he had went to go pastor in Ohio and then came down, actually just took the role 
as a lead teaching pastor at Central Church. And his name is Dr. Matthew Shackelford. And he was a youth pastor at the church in Anaheim Hills, California, where I got saved. And so we just kind of kept in touch, and the opportunity opened up, and we're like, well, we thought we moved to this side of the world for seminary, (laughs) but we really, like, came so we can come one state down from Kentucky to Tennessee to pastor and to serve and to serve God's people. So you were, what, 13 years old? When you first heard the gospel, yeah. it, it came alive in your heart. Yeah, no, I, I was uh, I was twenty. Uh, oh, you were twenty. It, yeah, it was two thousand thirteen. Yeah, you got the thirteen. You got the thirteen um, right, but it's yeah. in the wrong place. I wish I was thirteen. I would have been spared from a lot of poor decisions <laughs> in life. Uh, you know, I was twenty, so I got saved as a young adult. So I'm twenty nine now, and it's just crazy. Like if you would have looked at my life at nineteen years old, you would have just seen someone who hated God loved going their own way, just existed for their own self-worship. You would never think, oh, that person's going to be pastoring like a decade from now. But, And I wouldn't think that either. You know, I mean, I, I actually was an actor in Hollywood, and that was kind of the path I was going down. And it's crazy that God saved – like, I, it's just – I my mind is blown that God showed favor and, and saved me. Like, he – Not because of anything I deserved. He just gave undeserved favor in my heart, gave me the gospel, brought me to life. And I've just fallen so in love with that message. Like, I want to give it to as many people as possible, which is what we're doing here now. So how far did your acting career go? It went as far as I did a lot of comedic improv. So for people from Chicago, they might be familiar with a place called The Second City. It's a like an improv theater where people do – they just make up shows and – it's all on the spot, and they do big comedy review shows. A lot of famous people from Saturday Night Live came from uh, Second City. So like Tina Fey, Steve Carell. I was training with a lot of the people who trained them. And that was my dream, to do a lot of comedy improv, get trained, and then go and do cruise ships and comedy improv on cruises and travel the world and then ultimately go to Saturday Night Live. But I stopped at doing the mainstream show in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, That was as far as I got before I got saved. And wow. I'm thankful. I mean, I would not have life go any other way. You know, there was years ago, there was a, a young guy that was finishing up college. He was working for me here at this radio station part-time. And after about a year, and he had a great voice, he would do some of our promos and commercials. I think his degree was in acting. So he said, Byron, I'm giving you my resignation. I want to go to Hollywood and see if I can make it in the movies. Mm. And I thought, yeah, right. You know, so that's end of relationship. He quits and moves on. Five years later, I guess, our family served overseas as missionaries. We moved back. It's late one Saturday evening, and I'm watching Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and the show comes on, and they roll the opening credits, Chris Parnell. Whoa. And it was Chris Parnell who used to work here. Whoa. And so uh, his dad has been a Memphis radio legend for years. Jack Parnell was in Memphis radio. So uh, it's crazy. But God had other plans for you. Yeah. You know, I in the acting world, I learned very early on that as an actor, your role is to tell other people's stories unless you get into producing which is just very expensive, requires a lot of resources. And I, when I got saved, I, I saw the stories that were being circulated through scripts and auditions and just what was out there. And, and I'm thinking, man, I don't want to be a part of telling these stories. Like these aren't stories that exalt Christ. They're not stories that point to truth. They're not stories that communicate the words of life. So I decided, you know, I'd, I want to tell God's stories. And that's ultimately how me and a friend, my best friend in the world, his name is David Reynosa, 
we started Anchored North to tell stories of God's redemption. And we started just filming testimonies, picking up cameras and doing our own production. And by God's grace, those stories have reached millions of people. And we've used digital advertising and social media strategies to get the word out. But ultimately, I'm like, I don't want to tell the stories of the world. I want to tell the stories of Christ and his gospel. And that's what Anchored North does. Greg, you know, as you talk about sharing the gospel through media, I mean, have you ever thought about maybe sometime you could direct film or or comedies that infuse the gospel into the script that has a message unlike what's in today's media? Yeah, I'm I'm very supportive of that work. I've got friends that are trying to create fictional works and narratives that infuse biblical principles into them. I personally, I I think that's a phenomenal route to go and, and a needed route. I, but I love – one of the things I learned early on is like, you know, in, in script writing and things, you're always trying to find that next big story and just that groundbreaking creative idea. And you try so hard to come up with a great idea. But what I learned early on is like in Christ, God has already written an amazing story. And like I think testimonies are incredible. Like every time I hear someone's testimony, you're hearing God's story in that person's life, like how the story of Scripture intersects with them and testifies of the gospel of Christ, of his life-changing power to bring us from death to life through his life, death, and resurrection. And so I fell so in love with those stories that I'm like, I don't need to create a story. I don't need to make something up. I just need to point a camera towards these stories because I can't write something better than what God has done on someone's heart through the gospel. I want to take you to an article that you posted back in November 12, 2020. It's called The Call to Witness is a Call to Worship. During our pain and fallenness, voices are crying out for social reform, for economic redistribution, and for major institutional changes to the educational system and law enforcement. After thousands of years of human history, our world is still blinded to the reality that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. What is most disturbing is that many professing Christians have forgotten this as well. Why is it that hundreds of thousands of protesters have gathered in the name of those who have died, but many Christians cannot be bothered to gather in the name of the one who has risen? We have a serious problem on our hands, and the root of this problem is not a failure to evangelize. It's a failure to worship. Hmm. A failure to worship. Tell me about that. Yeah, I... I was just really struggling during 2020, as a lot of us were seeing a lot of the riots, a lot of the lawlessness in the streets, things being, you know, broken, businesses being broken into, items being stolen. And what was so sad is throughout all of that, like Christians were being told, don't gather, don't gather, don't gather. And all these protesters were told, oh, what you're doing is okay, it's for a just cause. And and it just really hit me, I'm like, man... The world will gather to celebrate like people who have died, but Christians, we're not gathering to proclaim the one who's risen. And I really do think that the fundamental problem that we've seen in this last year is is Christians are not worshiping in spirit and truth because true worship leads to witness. If we're truly worshiping, we're truly going to be gathering and we're truly going to be going out to proclaim of Christ 
So that was just really heavy on my heart when I wrote that article. And I, I still stand by it. I think we are seeing a lot of people who are afraid to gather, who really don't know the meaning of church. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, you are called out, not just called out of darkness into light, but called out to be a, a light among other lights, God's people. Like, you're not just saved as an individual. You're saved in the midst of a people. Like, we are the people of God. And I think it's so important for us to worship God and for that to reflect in the way we gather and the way we go out to proclaim. And I was just, I was really burdened over the last year seeing so many Christians and still seeing so many Christians just being content to stay yeah. at home, to not engage in the mission, to not gather under God's word, gather with God's people and go out to declare the goodness of God. Our pastor sharing this past week in a verse out of Matthew four eighteen, I'm sure you're familiar with where Jesus yeah. is saying to come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We, we hear that verse. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but one of the things he pointed out that really shook me a little bit was when he said to come follow, it wasn't like saying, hey, if you're not busy on Saturday, have nothing else to do. It's a command, come now. Yeah. And I don't think we as you say, professing Christians realize the commitment that Christ is calling us to, that we are to come now to him, follow him for the purpose of bringing other people to himself. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we are saved to be a blessing, right? I mean, that from the beginning of human history, God has saved. He has chosen so that people can be a blessing to the nations. I mean, that's Israel, right? That Israel was chosen so that they would not hoard the knowledge of God for themselves, but so that they would be a light to the nations. And we as Christians, every Christian, like we are saved so that others would be saved through our proclamation of the gospel. And so, yeah, that's so important. And I think a lot of Christians miss that the call to follow Jesus is the call, come and die. Like, take up your cross, come die to yourself, die so that you may live, live in me, live my life. Uh, live according to the Spirit so that other people would know the glory of God. You also say in this article that we are living inconsistently when we praise God for his salvation on Sundays and then fail to praise his salvation throughout the week through intentional conversations. Yeah. And, you know, those intentional conversations, many of us, Greg, really would like to do that, but we don't know how. We haven't done it in so long. We've forgotten and, and are maybe afraid we won't have an answer to something that might come up yeah. in the conversation. Yeah, I I resonate with that. I mean, I, I get really nervous. I mean, I'm a pastor of evangelism now at <laughs> Central yeah. Church, but I'm still so nervous every time I share the gospel. Like, I've recently started going on to University of Memphis' campus and just engaging students one-on-one with the, Like, I'm just walking up to people being like, hey, let's talk. No joke. If you were to look closely at my hands, you would see them shaking as I go forth. What did Paul say? It was with fear and trembling? It is. It's with fear and trembling. And we all tend to focus on our our weaknesses, but I think those weaknesses are there for a purpose. They're there so that we would not rely on ourselves, but so that we would rely on the the strength of God, that, that his might would be declared in our weakness, that it would be manifest in our weakness. And so taking those steps of faith, they're terrifying. They really are. But that is where that's where you rest not on yourself, but on the true and living God who raises the dead. And every time that I've taken that step to just leap into a conversation, I have only seen God do tremendous things in my heart to teach me more because a lot of people say, hey, I don't, I don't have the right answers or I'm afraid I wouldn't know what to say. But 
if you actually want to learn how to respond and work that craft over time, you've got to talk to people and hear their questions. And it's okay to say, hey, I'll get back to you on that. Like, hey, I, that's a great question. Can I get your number? Can I get your email? Would love to follow up on that. Like, we can have that humility to say, I don't have the answer now, but I'm going to get it for you. But it's in being challenged. It's in being asked questions that we've not thought about. That's what drives us to the word. And in going through that process, we actually grow as declares of the good news. So if you're not going through that process, yeah. you're never going to get out of it, you know? Well, I think, too, we have the thought that we've got to close a deal. Yeah. You know, we have to see the person pray a prayer before we leave to yeah. know that we've done our job. That's right. And that's just not true. Yeah, we, we treat evangelism like sales meetings, like got to get them to sign on the dotted line, like <laughs> get your vacuum now. You know, if you don't sign now, like the offer's gone. And that's that's not evangelism. Like we, we declare the good news, but we have to recognize that we're just a piece of God's big story in someone else's life. You know, as Paul said, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase, right? Like ultimately, we don't know where we are in that phase in someone else's life. Like we could be the planters, we could be the waters, but ultimately it's salvation is of the Lord. And so we can walk confidently knowing no matter how that person responds, I'm fulfilling God's command and God's good pleasure for my life. And I'm just one piece of God's work in this grand narrative of redemption. I think that's something to rejoice in. The Bible says how beautiful are those who carry the good news, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. Like, what a pleasure it is that we get to carry the message. I mean, the gospel is called the gospel of God. We bear a a message of God. Like, what a privilege that we're entrusted with that message to declare it with others. And so, regardless of how people respond, that's not the point. Like, let God do the work. Salvation's of him. But carry the message because it's a joy. It's a privilege to declare the goodness of God through salvation. How do we regain that fiery devotion to Christ in such a way that sets our own life on fire and ignites the world that we live in, in our schools, in our neighborhoods? Yeah, I mean, we've got to be in the Word. I mean, that sounds like so contrite, like, yeah, just be in the Word. But no, it's it's truly like where everything begins. Like the, it's, the Word is called the Word of life. Like when the disciples are asked, are you guys going to go too, like when the crowds depart and the disciples respond, where shall we go, Lord? You alone have the words of everlasting life. And so if we want to live lives that are on fire, we've got to fill ourselves with the words that are inspired of God, because those words are the words that light our hearts, that we would speak and declare his words to others. I'm burdened by that because I see a lot of Christians who want God's power, but they don't want God's word. And they don't realize that a power of God comes from knowing Knowing his word, letting the living word live in you, if that's not a component daily of your life, filling in God's word, you're not going to be filled with words of life that cause you to declare and live words of life to others. That's, that's, it's got to start there. Yeah. Greg, in the article we've referred to about worship and evangelism, what does a life of worship through witness look like? Well, think about what it looks like to worship God on a Sunday morning. If your church uh, is anything anything like mine or any of the listeners' churches, anything like, like Central Church. Like, you've got people with hands in the air. You know, they're excited. Their hearts are just filled with meditating on God and his greatness, his glory, his salvific love through his son, Jesus Christ. Like, think about that feeling and how eager we are to proclaim and worship and respond to God's greatness and worship, like how great thou art, like then sings my soul, you know, all these great songs that we have no problem singing with boldness. 
that's what worship should be through witness throughout the week, where we are so filled with meditating on the greatness of God that we just declare with boldness how great God is, how great it is that he sent his son, that, that we have sinned against him, that we have rebelled against him, that we have sinned against our creator, our holy creator. We deserve his wrath. We deserve hell. But God in his love has sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we would not have to bear the guilt for our sin ourselves because Jesus bared it for us. And he rose again like that declaration comes from meditating on worship. And it's no different than singing through song. Like worship is not just singing. It, worship is an attitude of the heart. And that's what I think witnessing needs to become for us. It's not it's not a drudgery command that we have to follow. It is a pleasure. Like it, God commands it, yes, but he commands it because he knows like it is a blessing to declare the goodness of God. So we've got to have that same attitude that we do when we're worshiping God on Sunday morning and talking to our friends. Like We've got to be so filled with the wonder and goodness of God that we cannot but help but speak of God's greatness as displayed through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you see Christians being out-worshipped in the public sphere because the world's affection for sin is so much greater than our affection for Christ? Sadly enough to say that. Yeah, and when I say out-worshipped, I mean the world is very vocal with what it believes, right? Like the world is very vocal with its worldviews. Like you don't have to look very far. Like my heart gets so burdened watching like anything on Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu because it seems like any new show that's made, you've got the same message that's being like put in your face like the message of like lgbt and inclusion like the world speaks the world declares publicly what it believes it tells you this is what you must believe get on board or get out of the way and we as christians have a greater message and it's a message of god like it's a message that actually holds power and so yeah i do see the world being very vocal with its thoughts and ideas and i sadly i see christians not being very vocal with the thoughts and ideas of the word like with god's everlasting word and we've got to out worship in that sense we've yeah. got to out proclaim the yes. world with the message of God. Well, Greg, you know, media today is changing rapidly the worldviews of this generation. Millennials are leaving the church by the groves, big numbers. And the church's online presence is lacking the experience to reach them. Can the church regain the ground lost and reshape the worldviews of this generation through a solid online presence? Yeah, absolutely they can. I mean, we have to remember that the gifts that we have, right, we've got – media is a wonderful gift. Like, it really is. Like, it's it's a wonderful opportunity to reach people. It's a wonderful opportunity to tell stories and to point people to the one who gave that gift of media, who is God. And the sad thing about the world is that they take these splendid gifts that God has given and they use these gifts to tell messages that are against God, against his word, against his character, against his ways – and we as the church have got to reclaim these gifts. We've got to use them for God's glory to point to him. And we absolutely can do it, but it requires a mind shift change. Like we've got to look at ourselves as not just missionaries locally to reach people through a, a message declared in a pulpit and through evangelistic outreaches and door-to-door -door evangelism. All those things are incredible. But we've got to rethink, like, what is possible in terms of evangelism. Like, one of the things I really love is, like, YouTube pre-roll ads. You can create a video, and you can actually target people on YouTube, right? Everyone's seen those ads that you're trying to watch a video, and you are on YouTube, and it says an ad is put in front of you. And it's like, you can skip this video in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and everyone can't wait to skip that video. But those ads that, like, 
the world is buying, like churches can buy those ads and they can actually geo-target people in their area and create gospel-centric media, testimony films. Like one of the strategies for our churches, we're in the middle of planning a testimony film campaign where we actually want to film testimonies of God's redemption in our congregation and then run ads to declare the gospel 24-7 in the feeds of people in our community, like within a 25-mile radius of our local church. And just like putting the gospel (laughs) stories of redemption in front of them via Facebook ads, YouTube ads, Instagram ads, whatever. Like that's just an example of the ways that churches can use media to reach people with the gospel in their community. Greg, as we start to wrap up the show today, I want you to just tell me a little more about Anchored North's Honest Discourse, which we've been talking about, but maybe someone's listening, has a story, and they want to connect with you and tell their story. Can they do that? Yeah, so Honest Discourse is actually a newer format for us. When we started Anchored North, we started telling testimony films, and we've used those testimony films and ran ads on them to reach lots of people. They still reach lots of people. But we noticed there was something missing in the Christian media world, and that was Christians engaging with the lost, like on camera, and with other people on camera. So we created a format, Honest Discourse, to pair a Christian in the room with either a non-Christian or someone who holds like really out there beliefs, like a progressive Christian who says there's a God but doesn't believe the Bible is inspired or authoritative or inerrant in our lives. Like that is – a problem. And so we, we tend to put these views together and let Christians share the gospel on camera with other viewpoints. And that's been a tremendous program. We just filmed a, a conversation between someone who was born a woman, transitioned to being a man, like surgically, double mastectomy, hormones, full beard and everything. She got saved because her mom invited her to a local church. She realized that God made her to be a woman for his glory. So she detransitioned back And we had a conversation with her and a woman who is Miss Ohio, but she's currently living like as a man. Again, double mastectomy, full hormones and and set of a beard, hair. And it's crazy to put those those worldviews together and say, Christian, like engage, share the gospel so that other people can see how how do we as Christians discuss instead of demonize. And that's been just the heartbeat of that program. And so how can we find these videos and learn more about the direction here? Yeah, so Anchored North has a YouTube channel. So just go to Anchored North on YouTube. I mean, we've got stuff from testimony films to these honest conversations between differing viewpoints. And if you're thinking about ways to get equipped, like watch those conversations, like watch the questions that are brought up to the Christians and watch how the Christians respond in truth and love, speaking the truth in love. And go to Anchor North on YouTube. You'll get tremendously <laughs> equipped. I'm confident of it. Greg, you're going to have to come back. We've got a whole lot more we could talk about in so many different ways. And I do appreciate you taking time to be our guest today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And if somebody wanted to contact you, maybe email you directly, what can they do? Yeah, so my email with Central Church is gsukert, S-U-K-E-R-T, at centralchurch.com. Greg Sukert is our guest today on Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you, my dear brother, for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom. Thank you, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on today's show. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Mid-South Viewpoint is locally produced in the Bot Radio Network Memphis Studios, airing Tuesday through Thursday at 3 p.m. The show is available at BotRadioNetwork.com or on the Bot Radio mobile app for iPhone and Android users, as well as iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.